0: really, really is. We are going to be in Mark chapter 9 for a lesson this morning. You want to hold on to that because we will be referring to it throughout the message this morning. But in the, uh, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we find the account of this great meeting on the summit of the mountain. It was a full-dress affair. Beautiful garments were seen, at least for four of them. Three of the men on this mountain were dressed like fishermen, looked like fishermen, and probably even smelled like fishermen. And they may have even wondered. Why were we invited to something so grand and glorious as this? Let's listen to the account one more time in in a nutshell here. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to a mountain to pray, all by themselves. Just the four of them. But three others show up. It was a time that when Jesus was in prayer, that the Bible tells us he began to be transfigured transfigured before their very eyes they could see this transfiguration taking place and what happened was his face began to shine like the sun his clothes began to be dazzling white and bright brighter than the midday sun again can't quite look at it but they can see it coming their way And there appeared Moses and Elijah, speaking concerning the death that Christ would accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, it must have been an awesome sight. I can only imagine the sight that they were seeing, and and even in my imagination, I'm sure it does not even come close to what they actually saw with their own eyes. The three apostles must must have remembered the face of Jesus Christ shining brighter than the sun when just a few weeks later, a few months later, that they would see that same glorious face dripping with spit from his beard. His eyes being swelled shut because fists had hit him upside the head and probably more than once. They may have remembered as they saw the bloody crown of thorns pressed into his head and the agony that was there the blood that flowed Jesus may have taken these three with him because he said in Matthew eighteen sixteen, by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word must be accomplished and these three would state this later on in their ministries Peter mentioned it in 2 Peter 1, verses 16-18. through He said, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses, he says, of His majesty. For He received from God the Father honor and glory with such a voice when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard the voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the mountain. This was their personal testimony concerning what they visually saw with their own eyes. The appearance of Moses and Elijah is suggestive of the second coming of Christ in two ways. As I see this, as I look deeply into this, the appearance of Moses who died reminds us that the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. And and I thought about this this week. It's not even in my notes, but I thought about this. The dead in Christ will rise first. Can you imagine being in your grave and you wake up and you look across at the coffin next to you and they're gone? You didn't make it. Scary thought. But it reminds us that the dead in Christ will rise first. When it comes to Elijah, of whom it was said in Second Kings chapter 2, verse 11, then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. That reminds me that we who are alive and left remaining on this earth shall be caught up to be with him forever and we will forever be with the Lord. That's what Paul said. Oh, that excites me. Talk about people getting older. I turned 66 on Friday the 31st. I'm not sad about that because I'm closer to heaven than I was a year ago. And I thank God for that. Moses was permitted to see the departing glory of God. But when Moses stood before the people with a veil over his face, it hid completely the glory of God. Now notice this. Moses put a veil over his face... And that veil hid the glory of God. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, even the very clothes that Jesus Christ was wearing could not cover the glory of God. What does that tell us? It tells me that the glory of the new covenant is so much greater than the glory of the old law of Moses. However, these apostles had seen this glory before because they had seen the The body of Christ, for the years they walked with him, they saw encased in flesh the glory of God doing some amazing things and the things he said and the healings that he had done and the raising of the dead. They saw the glory of God come through even the flesh that he wore. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he took upon himself the form of a servant made in the likeness of man, found in appearance as a man. And I like this one too, that that the Bible tells us this is an example from Matthew 13 of what will be our glory. He says there, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. We are going to shine like like our Savior. We are going to shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Where is that? Not when we leave this earth, but it should be now. Right where we live. Right where we are in life. Are you listening? He that has ears to hear, as the Bible says more than once. Are you listening? Do you want to hear? I find it good to remember that while the Lord was... In the flesh, on this planet, at every event where his deity was revealed or made known or seen by human beings, there was a sign given from heaven to underscore the event. At the birth, which we just recently spoke of, it says, there is born unto you in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angels came down from heaven and spoke those words. At his baptism, he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit descended on him as like a dove and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am very well pleased. At Jesus' great temptation, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, the tempter came and at the final temptation, the Bible says an angel came from heaven and ministered to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. An angel came down and ministered to Christ. And what a great demonstration we see at the crucifixion. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 52, it, it says, Behold, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. A very thick curtain no man could, cut, could uh, tear. The veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. The earth quaked. The rocks were split. And here's the fantastic part of it, if it hasn't been already. It says that many bodies of the saints that had fallen asleep were raised up out of their graves after his resurrection, and they went and spoke to people. Can you picture that? Somebody's at the door, honey. Go answer it. Oh, it's your grandpa. He's been dead for 40 years. What? That must have been an amazing thing. For those here on this earth to talk with those who had already gone. And then they were carried into heaven later. At his resurrection there, the Bible tells us there was a great earthquake. And an angel came and rolled away the stone. An angel came down to manifest the glory of God. And then we know at his ascension into heaven, two visitors from heaven came down. And they prophesied of his coming again that he would come back one day just as he left. There are many voices in the Old Testament and the New Testament to which we can listen and hear and read from God's word, but I want to look at these three voices that are spoken of in Mark chapter 9. First of all, we hear the voice of Peter. Peter's the first one to speak up, no surprise. I heard a preacher say years ago that Peter must have liked soul food because he was always sticking his foot in his mouth. And this is no different in many ways. But I find Peter's enthusiasm, his desire to be something that every one of us need to have. Peter was the first one to speak up and he said these words, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I will make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Think about that. We'll get into it. Paul said, to be absent from the body... Is to be present with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.8 When I think about this. I think of this as being what the Christian will feel. Once they leave this earth. They're going to feel this way. Because at the moment we leave this earth. If we are Christian. If we are in Christ. We are going to be completely surrounded with the glory of God. And we will not want to leave. We will not want to leave there. We will want to stay like Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. That will be glory for me. That's like the song that says, I know not the form of my mansion so fair. I know not the form that I will then wear, but I know that my Savior will welcome me there and that will be glory for me. My friend, I look forward to that. But there are more, there may be more in Peter's statement here concerning the uh, mention of three tabernacles than we see initially in the first, uh, our first look at this, because we remember that a week before this event, roughly a week before this event, uh, Christ told the, his apostles that he must go to Jerusalem and he must be mistreated and suffer by the hands of the chief priests, the elders and the scribes, and that he must be killed and rise the third day. Peter stood up to him and rebuked the Lord and said, it'll never happen if I have anything to say about it, Lord. I will stop this. I will fight for you. This will not happen. And what did Jesus say? Okay, Peter. No, he didn't. He said, get behind me, Peter, because you're not concerned about the things of God. You're concerned more about the things of man. You want to protect the flesh, but he said, I'm here to save the flesh. Peter hears Moses and Elijah here speak concerning the death of Christ, that is to be accomplished at Jerusalem. And Peter's not going to make the same mistake he made a week or so earlier, but he still has something in mind here. He still sees a way out of going to the cross. And this is how I see this. Because Peter says, let's stay here. You talk about going to Jerusalem and dying. Let's stay here. As a matter of fact, I'll build you a temporary house so we can stay here for a while. Enjoy the glory of God with Moses and Elijah. We can have a good time. Let's stay here. But that was not to be the case. It was a foolish thing to say For one reason, angelic beings or heavenly spiritual beings don't need a physical covering or a physical tabernacle. It was a foolish thing for for him to say, and that's why Luke tells us in this same story, he tells us that Peter was really not thinking about what he was saying. He was kind of out of his mind for a moment, and I think I would be too if I were surrounded by this kind of glory that just came upon me. It was a foolish thing to say. But yet I think that Peter, as well, he must have been on a a spiritual high. And maybe some of us have been there. When we worship at home on our own or we worship with a group of people and we just feel the presence of God and we are in a spiritual high for the moment and we love that, but Jesus tells them in the events that happened, we can't stay here, Peter. There's no need for a temporary tabernacle, not for, for me or, or the Moses and Elijah. And Peter never even mentioned building a tabernacle for the three apostles. But he was thinking of the others. But Christ told him in no uncertain terms, we cannot stay here. Why? Because Jesus doesn't say it, but he knows this. He knows that at the bottom of that mountain, there was a boy who had a dumb spirit that they would come in contact with later. A boy who was cast into the fire by the demon, who was cast into the water by the demon, who frothed at the mouth and grit his teeth because of the demon that was in him, they could not stay on that mountain because that young boy and many others needed the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians... We cannot afford to stay on the mountain. Oh, as much as we love coming here and singing and praising and remembering what He did for us, praising Him in song and listening to His Word preached and taught in Sunday school, we cannot stay here. For one, I don't have the voice to do it every day necessarily. But we can't stay here on this spiritual high. Why? Because there are people out in the world who need the healing of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people in this world who are are headed for hell because they're frothing at the mouth because they're filled with something other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're being mistaught by false teaching or by no teaching other than what it is they hold to in their own life. As Christians, we cannot stay on the mountain. But think for a moment of the fit and the spasm that went through the United States of America back a few years ago when they took prayer out of school. There were some who loved their land so much. Some who loved their God so much that they fought against that. They frothed at the mouth and they were angry about that. But it was taken out of the schools and something else replaced it. There are now guns in school, shooting people, teachers, students. There are bombs in schools and people are being attacked just because even in some of the congregations around the world are having people come in and just begin to shoot up whoever's there because there is no god in their mind they're bombing churches shooting people the preachers usually the one to go first and then anybody else who will stand against them is there any reason to think that these things would not happen even in small, rural, southern Indiana. Is there any reason to think that some crazy could drive by or come in here unnoticed and begin to stand up and start shooting just the first people? And I thank God we have security. Sadly, we need it today. More churches than us are doing this, I'm sure. And I thank God for it. We need to be thankful that they're out there in that hallway right now protecting us. But it could happen. There's a jungle out there, and it's not nearly or necessarily a jungle in China or Japan or or Taiwan or Africa. But, my friend, you look right around your neighborhood. You have neighbors that you know if they died today, they'd go to hell. You know that we leave this building and we have a mission field right out there the moment we step out these doors a mission field to grab somebody by the mind and do our best to draw them in to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ people are throwing fits in our world and Peter was right it's good that we are here And my friend, it is good that you and I are here this morning praising God, worshiping him, learning something new to take home with us and grow in Christ. It's good that we are here. But as this story teaches us, we cannot stay here forever. This is one message from the Mount of Transfiguration. Secondly, we have the voices of Moses and Elijah. Now, listen to what these guys are speaking of. Listen to this. What do they say? Now, now, what do people who say when they, when they come down out of outer space, which Moses and Elijah did, what do they say when they, when they land their saucer? Science fiction tells us that they land their flying saucer. They step out with, with bugging eyes, spindly legs, and what's the first thing they say? You know what it is. Take me to what? Take me to your leader. These guys came from the glories of heaven and they did not say, Take me to your leader, but they had been taken to their leader when they came down. They knew who their leader was. And what was their conversation? Their conversation was the most important conversation, the most important subject any man or woman can have while they are on the face of this earth. They spoke about the death that Christ would accomplish in Jerusalem. What a subject. What a subject it was. In fact, it appears to me that the only question on the table at this summit meeting was the death that Christ would accomplish at Jerusalem. In fact, I would go even further to say those who are in heaven even today who have been faithful to God and are are sharing the glory of God, what is their number one thing they're talking about? Not the sports team that they loved, but they're talking about, oh, how grand and glorious is our God who died for us on that cross. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. That's the conversation in heaven. But what is it we talk about more in life today? We talk more about our job, love it or hate it. We talk about our boss, he or she's good or eh, not so much. I wish I had a different one. We will talk about things like politics. Eh, I'd rather not myself because it's so ugly. And there's only one fix to it, and that's God. People want to talk about the economy, good or bad, whether it's been a blessing to them or not so much. We want to talk about the food that we love to eat or the food that we love to to make. We want to talk about our favorite sports team. We want to talk about maybe how many deer we got in deer season or how many times we took a ride on our motorcycle. Oh, we want to talk about so many things, but my friend, there is no greater subject you and I can speak of than what Jesus Christ has done for us. On Calvary. None of those other things matter. The only one that matters in life today and in eternity when we leave is to speak of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. He sent his son. He sent his son from the glories of heaven From being on his right side. He sent him to earth to put on flesh, to die, to die for you and me. But there are some that I fear are not so concerned even for their own children, I'm afraid, because by their example of neglecting the assembly of ourselves together, they're neglecting the one who can make all the difference in their life eternally and in their life now. Yet at the same time. That same voice still speaks today. That same voice still says. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Are you listening? Are you obeying? Or does it matter even what God says? And that brings me to my third point. The voice of God. Hear the voice of God. Hear the voice of of God. First of all, Peter spoke, and then Moses and Elijah speak with Christ. And then God speaks. Every one of us have a conversation in our life that we like to to talk about and share. And we will talk about that and we will find someone else who has the same interest and we will talk with them about that particular thing in our life. And that will be important to us. But God sits back and says, I will wait for you until I speak. You give me the voice to speak. He will sit back and wait. And when we, he, we are ready, he will speak to us. So I see here that Peter speaks, then Moses and Elijah speak, but now the greatest speaker in all of existence is about to say something and what he has to say is so precious he says from the cloud this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear him hear him The amazing thing about this message of God speaking here at this time is that God is not saying something he has never said before. He's spoken these words before. He said at Christ's baptism, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God's not afraid to say, that's my son. But how many of us are afraid to say to somebody else, Jesus Christ is my savior. He said, hear him through Moses when he said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. So we are to hear him. We are to listen to him and we are to follow him and obey what his word has to say. God is so much wiser than any person on this earth. Some have accused Peter of making Moses and Elijah equal with Christ. I've heard that from some people that he's making them all three equal here. Therefore, we should not worship one more than the other. But I don't find that to be the case because when God says, hear him, they knew exactly whom he was speaking of in that context. Hear him. Now, if it were announced today, somehow, that God were going to speak tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock audibly to the world. I can only imagine that all of the networks would be poised and ready at 8.30, probably giving comment before and knowing they would give it afterward. But when 9 o'clock came, they would all have their sound systems going and listening, very clearly to hear what God had to say. The Democrats would tell us that God did not say what we thought he said. The Republicans would say, well, what we thought he said was really something different. So we need to put this in to make that clear when the the people of God would say, let God speak. And he will speak clearly. But actually, the more I thought about that, the more I thought that that's probably not the case at all. If God were to speak audibly to this world... The one thing I see happening would be that those who reject Christ and those who do not care to be obedient to his word would, like Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God and heard his voice in the garden, what would they do? Run for cover because they know, spiritually speaking, they are going to be standing naked before the God of the universe and you do not want to be found naked before God. When Peter, James, and John heard the voice of God on the mountain. Did you catch what they did? The Bible says there in Mark chapter 9 that they fell on their faces. They fell on their faces and they were terribly afraid, trembling even at the glory and the very presence of God in their lives. A great cry of regret was not found in Peter, James, and John. But I do believe that there will be, sadly, a great cry of regret from those pew-sitters and those rejectors of Christ when they hear him shout as he descends from the heaven. My friend, he's coming back. Do you believe that? Wait a minute. He's coming back. Do you believe that? Amen. The question is, are you ready? Or will you simply try to run for cover and there will be no cover for you? The voice of God coming from the cloud reminds us of the cloud on other occasions in the Bible. And it's mentioned quite a few times, actually, at the trial of Christ before, as he stood before Caiaphas in Matthew 26, 63. Jesus said, uh, these words are recorded concerning Christ. Caiaphas said, I put you under oath by the living God. Therefore, being the high priest, Jesus had to be obedient. Are you the Son of God? Are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? Jesus said, It is as you said. It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Some of you knew Clarence Greenleaf. Anybody know Clarence Greenleaf? No? No? Uh, Grundy Mountain Mission, he started that. But he said, when he read that scripture, he would look out and say, maybe that's the cloud. Maybe that's the cloud. That's how we should live our life. Maybe that cloud coming over the horizon is when my Lord is coming back for me. Am I ready for that? It also reminds me of Revelation 1-7, where John speaks and says, behold, he is coming with the clouds. And every, every, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus flat out stated that they will see the Son of Man coming on the, on the clouds with power and glory. They will see that. There will not be one person who can hide from that. They will see that with their own eyes. But contrast that with the cloud of Mark chapter 9, which is also in Matthew chapter 17. With the cloud we see in, 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 uh, on Mount Sinai, and we read this this morning in our Bible class, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 23. Listen to this, or follow along in your Bibles. The writer says, for you have not come to a mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire to the blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. My friend, that's what we've come to. That's what we've come to here. It's no wonder that Paul said in Romans chapter 13, Put on the armor of light. We should wear the armor of light, which is the best armor we could ever have to protect us from the fiery darts of the devil. And Paul said in 1 Timothy 6.15 that Jesus Christ is the only blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who dwells in unapproachable light. Jesus Christ ascended. And the Bible tells us he was received out of their sight. Two angels came and told them that he would return in those clouds. Maybe that's the one. Are you ready? Or do we really think it's possible? Some of you might remember Ed Bowsman. Anybody know Ed Bousman? Heard of him? kind of grew up with Ed Bousman. Uh He was in my home for revivals and I had lunch with him and dinner more than once. Ed Bowsman started a radio program probably 70 years ago. And back then, that was a big thing, to have your voice heard in just a few thousand people. But it came to be that that ministry went around the world through ham radio, shortwave radio. And people in other countries could hear the truth of the gospel through this one man. One church began helping this congregation or this uh, radio ministry. And over a 30-year period of time, this congregation grew from just a few to several hundred in attendance. But through the meaning of the minds in this congregation, they, they said, we need to stop supporting this because, well, we need a new min, a new message for people this is a different time than it was 30 years ago and one of the preachers in the area went to them and said why did you stop supporting the ministry it's such a great ministry to have preaching on the radio and these were their words quote ed is a good preacher and what he preached was good 30 years ago but today we need something different Something different than the truth? How sad is that? That we need something different in the message of Christ today. Efforts are made in marketing techniques to build the church and to draw people with ice cream or pizza or or whatever it may be. And you've heard me say that what we win them with is what we win them to. You take away the pizza, they will split. You take away the ice cream, they will split. And they will be gone. It's true that we can market the church like soap. But my friend, I do not believe for one split second that we can, we can soft-soap people into repentance. Repentance. We cannot soft-soap people into being convicted of the truth of the Word of God. We cannot soft-soap people into believing and being obedient to the gospel of Christ. We cannot soft-soap people into, maybe you should show up in church once in a while more than you do. But my friend, if the Word of God is true We need to preach it. Soft-soaping people into, into church will not get anyone to fall on their knees in recognition of God's greatness or His holiness. But it will make people feel good while they sing a song. Mark chapter 9, when the vision was over, The three apostles, the Bible says they lifted up their eyes because they had fallen on their face in worship, in reverence, and I'm sure there was some fear and trembling that was there. But they lifted up their eyes and they saw no one except Jesus Christ. I I wonder if there had been some of us there from the 21st century, if we had been there, if we had heard the gospel terms of pardon where Jesus said through Peter, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many people would have seen or heard anything? How many people would even go to the point where, eh, I don't need to say a word. I'll just keep that quiet. Maybe those people don't believe it, so I'm just going to hold back and and not say too much. My friend, God's voice will not change. God's voice will not change. People may not want to hear his voice. They may not want to be obedient to his voice. But my friend, his voice will not change. And obedience to that voice will not be something God winks at. What is it you see in God's word? What is it you as an individual hear when you read it or when it's preached to you or taught in a Sunday school class, what is it you grab onto? Are we more faithful to our job than we are to Jesus Christ? Do we give more hours to our job and no recognition of Christ in those eight, 10, or 12 hours at work? Or do we give more time, energy, and effort into the stuff of life? The more I can gain, the better I will look. The more I will gain, the happier I will be. Rather than accepting Christ. I I believe, and I've said this for years, if Jesus Christ himself were to stand behind this pulpit or any other pulpit and preach the truth, I find that there would be so many people who would still be more in tune with their own life than they would in hearing what the the Son of God had to say. Oh, how important it is. Because as you can see, we're getting older, aren't we, Dorothy? We're not going to be here forever. And every one of us can recognize that in our own families. People aren't here forever. But we can be there forever in heaven. Churches, I've heard of churches in the past, whether they're Christ church or not, I've heard of churches where they they will announce a month from today, we're going to have this big football star or basketball star come in and stand here and give you give you an account of his success or her success or, or tell you what they did to become a Christian. And because it's a big name, people will start to mark their calendars, remove something and put it on there that so-and-so is going to be here that Sunday. I want to be here. And when that day comes, they will be here an hour early because they want a front seat. They want to be up front just in case he or she comes down and they can touch hands with him or her and say, I met them. I met them. I talked with them. As a matter of fact, I got a picture here I want to show you of me and him or her. People will come in droves. People will come into the point of standing room only throughout. People will be crowded on the front row because it might be uncomfortable for a little bit, but at least we're here to see him or her. But my friend, I want you to know and understand and let this sink deep into your head. Every Lord's Day that we get together, somebody more important than any football, basketball, baseball player is here with us. And my friend, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we should mark off on our calendar every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, every midway week Bible study. That should be on our calendar because God said so. It's his voice that we need to hear. You may not want to listen to this guy, and that's fine with me. But don't never, never stop listening to God. I'm just a vessel, and I will be used up and emptied preaching God's Word. Any man can preach the truth. But my friend, it's up to every individual who hears it to change their life. I want to encourage you Come to God this morning with remorse for your neglect. Come to God with remorse for your sin against Him that you commit in your own home. Come to God with the the remorse for your indifference to the things of the church. Come to God with remorse for the apathy that you have. And recognize in His holy word as we talk about the coming of Christ and what He did for us on Calvary, as that becomes our conversation, recognize His greatness, recognize His holiness, recognize that He will completely and absolutely forgive you if you will repent and walk His way. As Veronica comes to play for us this morning, change your plans. Change your plans your plan of neglecting the assembly tonight at seven o'clock you might have plans for that already change your plans and do not to not be obedient to God any further than just one hour or two on Sunday change your plans of going to an eternity without Christ because if your plans are not to be obedient it is your plan to go to an eternal hell and I love your soul so much I don't want that for any one person. You need to make a decision for Christ. Remorsefully come to God with tears for what you've done against Him and against His church. Let's stand and sing. What number is it? 3.30, thank you.